we would see disposable diapers on clotheslines. Wow. And they were having to wash them out because that's all they had. Um, the food they were eating, it was, it was slop. And it's not the orphanage that was neglecting these kids. They were doing the best they could with what they had. And the nannies we ran into really did care for these kids. They really did love them. It wasn't maybe like you see in the movies where they're getting abused or anything like that. There was a lot of love for them. But knowing that they needed a family outside of Ukraine. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we get this episode started, I want to cover a couple of things. First off, August 12th is our next workshop. This is going to be, yet again, another breathwork cold exposure workshop. Uh, this one's for people in recovery. So if you are in recovery from whatever, uh, alcohol, drugs, uh, behavior that you're addicted to, wh- whatever it is, uh, this this next workshop's for you. This one is happening uh, August 12th, 11 to 3 at the Sanctuary Wellness Studio. And that's going to be in Flower Town, PA, Pennsylvania. So if you are in recovery or maybe you know somebody, somebody you love, somebody you like, actually, I don't care if you love or like them. I mean, if, if you just know somebody that's in recovery and you think that they, uh, they're looking for something different. Now, the, 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 what, there's a lot of great things out there, but one of the, one of the key things I've, I've taken away from all the conversations I've had with people is that everyone's story, everyone's, a solution or attempted solution is different. Different things have different impacts on individuals. So if you want to try something that maybe it's a little bit out of the box, or you've already heard about the breath work, cold exposure, you know, some of the benefits uh, that come along with it and you're in recovery. Well, I have a solution for you. Head on over to consequenceofhabit.org. You're going to look under events and you're going to see that event. We are asking for a small donation. Now, I want to be clear that any donation uh, that that we're asking for is a fraction of what these things cost. So we, we are certainly not making money in the, in the least bit. This is just to secure your spot. We've made this donation smaller than we would normally for, for our events. Uh, but but here's the thing. There's only so many spots for these. And and I've said it on here before, but when we make things free, people, it's easy to sign up and it's just as easy to not show up. So we ask for this, uh, a small donation just to secure your spot. If there's an issue with that, I, I never want finances to be the reason that somebody cannot uh, attend something like this. Just email me, go to the website, you go, you're, you're going to see email contacts. You can email me. Uh, we'll see if we can figure something out. Again, that's August 12th, Flower Town, PA. Uh, massive thanks to Allie from, from the Sanctuary Wellness Studio. Again, we need locations to do this. It's one of the, the key ingredients to having an event is uh, a place to, to do it. And, and Allie and, and the team there at Sanctuary Wellness stepped up uh, and, and said, hey, use our place. So big thanks to them. Okay, next. This is just a thought I had. You know, I, I'm, I'm coming back from a vacation. Uh, an amazing experience. Uh, it was exactly what what, what I needed. Um, some just quality time with the family. But one of the things I really thought about on my my flight home is you know sometimes we get lost. We get lost in this this thing of of well maybe I'm just going to speak for myself. You know with with everything that we're doing with consequence of habit. One of the things you know we have a lot of people doing athletic feats, right? And it, it's it's like. It's an easy way. Well, I shouldn't say easy, but but it's a very forward-facing way to show uh, your positive habits, things that you're doing that that, are, that are, are healthy for you, both physically and mentally. And that's fantastic. But but I think uh, again, I'm going to make this a personal thing. When when we don't add the service side of of things, when we're doing something just for ourselves, there is a as great as that is, there's there's something missing in that. 
And that is helping others. That is doing something for, for people other than just ourselves. You know, I heard, I heard Sam Harris uh, talk about the other day of, of, of giving. And there, there's this, you know, he feels a certain way when he gives money to an organization because he knows it's doing certain things. But even though that is having a massive impact, there's also the feeling of, 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 of holding a door for somebody, right? Just doing something kind for, for others around you for no particular reason. And the feeling that's associated with that. Uh, so, so as we move forward, and I think this, this plays an integral part into this, this week's guest, you know, I just want everyone to be curious. What, what things could I be doing for, for others just for the act of doing something for others? And it's just such a selfish thing to, to do it because of the feelings that are associated with it. But, but there's a reason for that, right? I think that's just kind of hardwired into us as, as humans, or we like to think it is that when we're doing something for others, it makes us feel makes us feel good. And there's not enough of it these days. All right. That brings us to this week's guest. This week, I sit down with Jared Williams. Jared's one of the original, the OG COH ambassadors. And when he thought it was an application, there were a couple of things that really stood out. You know, one is that, that he, that he's an athletic guy. He's, he's involved in a, uh, obstacle course racing, but there was something bigger, man. There was something more. And we talk about having an impact, a positive impact in other people's lives, right? Well, there's few people I've met that have had a bigger impact uh, on some kids' lives. And that's because Jared and his wife have adopted special needs kids from Ukraine. They've, they've gone over to Ukraine. This is obviously before the conflict has started. And they adopted these kids. And, and Jared really walks us through what that process looks like and some of the challenges. And, he, and he's honest, right? He's brutally honest about the positive and the negative side of this. And I was, uh, I'm so blown away by, I guess the selflessness of what, what Jared and his wife have done. And I can't, I just can't think, you know, I mean, I'm a parent, as a parent, I understand the sacrifices that we make both time financially. And I think it's one of the reasons I, I was so impressed with, with what Jared and his wife have done because you know, there's just a magnitude to it, right? There's, there's, there's levels to that. And, and the sacrifices that Jared and his wife have made are, are uh, yeah, they're just hard to wrap my head around. So I want to say huge thanks to Jared uh, for what he's, for, for taking the time, because you're going to hear this, he's a busy guy, uh, but for taking the time to sit down, uh, explain his story, his family's story, uh, Pasha's story, everyone that, that is, is involved there at the Williams clan there. All right. So with that said, please welcome the podcast, Jared Williams. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with not only a COH ambassador, but somebody over the past year or so I, I've, uh, I've grown to call a friend and, and I appreciate him taking the time to, to sit down and, and have a conversation with me because as you're going to hear, this man is a busy, busy man. So uh, today I am sitting down with Jared Williams. Jared, thanks for taking the time, man. No problem. Good to be here. Jared, I mentioned to you before we even hit record here, you applied for our ambassador program, uh, last year. And it was kind of under the, 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 the reason behind it was, is you were talking about habits and you were talking about your own journey. I think you were doing some Spartan races, uh, or, or, uh, obstacle course racing at the time, and you had been challenged by one of your kids. I think that if if I'm if I remember correctly, uh, right, that you won't be able to do that. And you've been on this journey with us since you're one of the OG ambassadors, right? You're one of the very first ones, and I've watched what you've done uh, over the past year. And yes, there's the obstacle course part, and 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 Jared is the athlete. But what has really stuck out to me is is what you and your wife are, are are doing just by living your life and what you've kind of uh, put your passion, your dedication um, and and your time and, and money into uh, I want I want to I want to make sure I'm not I'm not butchering this Jared. Jared t- first of all, tell us how many kids do you have now? So we have six kids in all. six kids. okay, can you break down? Uh, where where those kids are are, are from and, and just kind of what the circumstances are for them. 
Okay, the oldest uh, girl, she's my wife's biological. Mm -hmm. The other five are all adopted. Uh, Three of them, special needs from Ukraine, and then two were adopted at birth in the U.S. Mm. Now, anyone who does follow you, and I invite everyone to to head over to your Instagram. I'm assuming that's where you're most active. Am I correct in that, Jared? Yes. And you've documented some of the things, some of the struggles, some of the, um, you know, some of the positive things that, that have happened throughout the years. Uh, one of the ones that I, I think people will take notice is, is your, your adopted son, uh, Pasha recently had to have, uh, both of his, his legs amputated. Um, before, you know what, before we even get into that, let, let, let's, let's get back to motivation, Jared, cause I'm getting ahead of myself cause I've been excited about this conversation with you. What, where did that come from? Because if you said to most people, hey, we're going to adopt some, some, some kids from Ukraine, special needs, whatever that is, that is, uh, that's, that's, a, that's, there's a lot to that, right? There's a lot to unpack on that. What was that conversation like for you and your wife? And, and what was that, that decision making process like? So before we even got married, we had talked about it. Really? Uh, because I was involved with child advocates down in Houston. Mm. I did a lot of fundraising for them. They help out foster kids. So that was important to me that, you know, once I got married, adoption was something that I wanted to do. And my wife felt the same way because her dad's actually adopted. Mm. It was a family adoption, but he was still adopted. So we were both on the same page. Uh, And then uh, we tried for quite a while to have our own kids, Mm -hmm. which I already had one. She's my stepdaughter, but no one ever hears me refer to her as such. I've been in her life since three years old. I'm sympathetic. Yeah, I get it. So uh, we kept trying and trying and Finally, we said, you know what, why wait? So we started the adoption process. Um, We were doing an infant locally to the Houston area. And we assumed it was going to take a while just because how expensive it is. And it's tiered on the race of the child. Well, we're still starting out, so we, we don't have a ton of money at this point. So we're waiting on an African-American child. And just happenstance, a friend of my sister-in-law knew someone that was pregnant and that she wasn't going to keep the baby. Right. So we got linked up with her. And she chose us, said, I want you to raise this child. So we went back to the agency and we said, hey, we found our own adoptive mother. Um, so we're just going to go through a lawyer. Mm. And they said, well, hold on. We'll still do it for the price we agreed upon right. at that cheaper rate. And this way, the mom gets all the services we offer as well. So we move forward with that. And then about six months later, after Caden was born, um, my wife had to have emergency hysterectomy in her 20s. Wow. So... We knew we wanted to continue to add to the family. So we go with another infant adoption uh, through another agency in Houston. And we end up getting Savannah, which is our youngest. And then we were happy with the three and we were good. Uh, but my wife was always involved in these special groups for kids and hosting and all that. So we hosted a girl from Ukraine one summer 
and we just fell in love with her. So we asked her before she left if she wanted us to adopt her. And she said yes. So we drove her back to, I believe, South Carolina, no, North Carolina, Mm -hmm. where the rest of the group was. And we started that process then. And my wife was always fundraising for special needs kids off websites for international adoptions. And I was always pumping the brakes. I'm like, well, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. If I could do that. Um, And so we decided to go after this girl we hosted. And my wife was saying, well, you know, if we do it through this special needs organization and add another child that they're sponsoring, all donations are tax free. And I thought, you know, this is kind of a ploy She's getting her two for special needs each, adoption. Yeah. <laughs> so I went ahead with it. And uh, that's where Pasha came into the picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife saw his picture as a baby and she said, we have to. He looks exactly like you. Oh, wow. And so we added him on. We started fundraising. Um taking out loans, anything we could do to get to that money figure. Mm. Uh, Then when we go over to Ukraine, we found out the night before we left that the girl, we knew her grandparents were still involved, but she had been telling us, she talked to them, we're all set, they're happy, not going to be any problems. We find out the night before we left, she had not talked to her grandparents. Oh, boy. And the grandparents found out because we sent a gift to her while she was on break with the orphanage, and she was staying with her grandparents. Hmm. So a worker there, a missionary we knew, had taken the gift we bought her to her house. And that's how the grandparents found out. Oh, boy. So we go ahead, go, just have faith it's going to work out. And uh, we go through our facilitator there doing all the paperwork. And he actually talks us into accepting three referrals, not just the two. And that's where Callan comes into the picture. Wow. Um, So we accepted the three, and we went to the boys' orphanage first. They were in what's called the baby house. And you stay there until four, and then you age out. If you can go to a general orphanage, that's where they send you. If you can't, in their cases— they go straight to a mental hospital (sighs) and they live out their life there. So we hit those referrals first. We meet Pasha right away. He's calling me Papa, calling my wife, Mama. Uh, He was in the most severe group within that orphanage. Uh, So within his group, there were kids that, could not speak, could not move, nothing. Um, Jerry, what was that experience like for you? Uh, to, I mean, to, to come from from the U.S. here to go over there and then and then walk through these facilities and and, and see the, the the life that not only that they're living, but but many of them will be destined to live for the rest of their life. Uh, were you were you were you ready for that? No, I thought I was. Um, But when you actually get there, and at first sight, it looks like a decent place. Um, You know, it's all all older Soviet buildings. It was in Crimea. So 
uh, we just we weren't prepared for walking around the grounds. Yeah. Uh, we would see disposable diapers on clotheslines. Wow. And they were having to wash them out because that's all they had. Um, the food they were eating, it was, it was slop. And it's not the orphanage that was neglecting these kids. They were doing the best they could with what they had. And the nannies we ran into really did care for these kids. They really did love them. It wasn't maybe like you see in the movies where they're getting abused or anything like that. There was a lot of love for them. But knowing that they needed a family outside of Ukraine. Um, so that was the more surreal part was not knowing how we would be accepted there. Um, because we had heard stories in other countries that people went to adopt to and the orphanages were kind of rude to them and privileged Americans and all of that. Ukraine wasn't that way. It was welcoming us with open arms. And and, and Jared, what, what year was this? Uh, this was... Let's see, Pasha's 14, so 2012, 2013. Okay, okay. Um, so we get there, and we meet Pasha, and then they take us to meet Callan. And he right away ran up to my wife, and he didn't speak at all. And we talked about it after we met him and we decided, you know what? We can't, not three at a time. So we went and met with the orphanage. And this is where it got weird. Uh, They were pushing Callan on us and said, okay, well, if you are only going to take one of these boys, why do you want to take Pasha? who has all these medical issues and all of that, and you have a perfectly healthy boy in Andrusha, which is Callan's Ukrainian name, that he's only here because he had a hole in his heart when he was born, but that healed itself. And we said, no, we're taking Pasha. That's who we came for. We're sticking with that. And so we left that day. And then the next day we went to um, the other orphanage where the girl was. And it was right away we knew there were issues. Uh, (laughs) We go into the headmaster's office and she's there course she's speaking russian we've got our translator and she's saying i can't let this go through the grandparents are nasty people if i let this happen it's gonna be bad for us and all of this and our translator is saying well she wants to come with us with them and she said, well, that may be, but she has not told the grandparents that. Where did the grandparents think she was when she was stateside uh, spending time with you? <laughs> so that's the funny part. Uh, they knew she was coming to America for a hosting. And we had heard on that trip that there was a girl on the trip that was telling kids just be careful because my grandparents told me that Americans bring you on these hostings to harvest your organs. Oh boy. And we, we heard that that was going on. We didn't ask any further questions. In fact, this girl was not the Masha 
we were supposed to be getting. It was a different Masha, but she got switched out at the last minute. So this is a, um, this is this is some wild stuff, Jerry. <laughs> so uh, while she was with us, uh, my sister-in-law was Air Force. And she's a medic in the Air Force. So she said, hey, bring Masha to the base and I'll have the dentist check her out for you before she goes back. And Masha was really worried about it. Oh, Did not want to go see a doctor. And of course, we didn't know any of this at that time. She thought you were taking her organs. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then we find out later... It was her that was telling everyone that because she had heard it from her grandparents. So what was the ploy then? So, so they know she's going over there to, for this host, this hosting. I mean, inevitably they have to understand that this is part of a process. Uh, was there, was there like, what's the rub? Were they, were they trying to get something out of it? Was there something for them? So I think, Looking back at it all, of course, everything was happening so quick that day. I think if we had paid off the grandparents, she'd be here. Mm. Um, I think that's really what they were looking for. Because even the head person of the orphanage said these people were nasty people. That even when Masha would go home for vacation, holiday with them, they didn't even feed her. She had to dig in the dumpster for food. They didn't really care about her. All right. So you go over there initially for, for Masha. Right. You come back with Pasha. And then is it, does, does Colin come also, or what, what's, what's a, I'm, I'm jumping ahead on the storyline. I, I right. apologize. <laughs> So after that whole ordeal and then facing the fact that it's not going to happen at that time, um, we hugged Masha goodbye and then we're talking to our facilitator and we said, can we still get Callan? And she said, yes, but you have to take the train back to Kiev, get the paperwork, re-administered for him and then come back down here. Mm. So we did all that overnight train back to Kiev, get the paperwork, hop on the train that evening after we get it overnight back to Crimea. So it's two and a half days since we had slept at that point. (laughs) And, uh, we get his referral and get the ball rolling on all of that. Um, at that point, I left country. Um, my wife had to stay because you have to visit the orphanage twice a day for so many weeks until your court date where they could finalize it. So she stayed while I came back, uh, stay with the other kids, work do all that stuff. Um, And then when I get back, we start taking the boys around the orphanage to kind of get them used to other surroundings, Pasha in particular. He had never even been on the backside of the orphanage. Hmm. And when we wheeled him around there, he threw a fit. Um, he was hysterical. He did not recognize anything. He was scared. And we had to rush back to the other side. So we were worried he wasn't going to make the trip. Mm. And now, yeah, right. Because now you're going to put him on an airplane. <laughs> right? Right. Like, you're just talking about one, the, the different side of a facility and, and, he's, and he's having issues. Now we're talking about, I mean, you're going to blow his mind when you literally step onto an airplane, take off and fly to another country. Right. So while I was there, uh, we were able to get it approved to take Pasha from the orphanage 
to an abandoned airfield. And uh, we were able to take him there. He was scared. But seeing the airplanes up close and seeing we're still there, we're not going anywhere. And having the translator with us at that point, because he didn't speak English, he spoke perfect Russian. Uh, Most people we talked to said he spoke Russian better than adults. Really? Yes. Wait, so I I just want to make sure I'm following. So you you actually bring him to an abandoned airfield where there's, I'm going to guess, planes that are no longer working that just... Because, you know, that's not something you would do over here, right? You don't, you don't just find an right. abandoned with airplanes. So, uh, but again, we're talking about Ukraine. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. So he did fine with that. So fears were set aside and we had no concerns about Callum because he walked all over that orphanage. Uh, so we went to court did all the court stuff. And in Ukraine, you have to bribe them. Uh, So when we first went over there, we stopped in Germany. And we were instructed, get two bottles of Jack Daniels (laughs) and two cartons of cigarettes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that was to bribe the courts so there was no hiccups. So... We get through court, no issue. Judge got whatever gifts were promised to him. Right. And I leave again. So my wife handles all the paperwork running, get the passports, all of that. And like I said, we had no concerns about Callan traveling. Well, on the way home, we found out he did not like tight spaces. Well, oh. I didn't find out. I wasn't there. Right, right. My right. poor wife found out. Uh, he screamed and kicked and bit the entire 16, 20-hour flight. Oh, man. Nonstop. Which also gave my wife just PTSD going through that. Uh, you're lucky she didn't kill you as soon as you <laughs> Wow. Yeah, when I picked him up at the gate and I saw her walk through and just that look, I thought, Uh-oh. oh, great, Uh-oh. something Uh-oh. happened. And yeah. the whole time I'm thinking it was Pasha. Nope, Pasha was perfectly fine. <laughs> it was Callum. Wow. Uh, and we didn't really understand at that point because, of course, we told we were told clean bill of health. Uh, turns out Callan has fetal alcohol syndrome. He just didn't have the normal characteristics. Like he wasn't thin. His face wasn't sunk in. Um, but he was an outlier. And so he has severe behavioral issues. And that's why I say people need to talk to someone if they're going to do this, because we were not approved for fetal alcohol syndrome. And we did that on purpose because we had talking to people. And and, and just so everybody knows what, what Jared's talking about, we spoke before we hit record. And I said, hey, is there something you want to make sure that we kind of uh, put out to the world? And one of the things that you said was, hey, if somebody is looking at this type of process, you need to talk to other families because, uh, I mean, clearly it sounds like you, you already knew going into this that there would be challenges, but it ends up there's even more challenges than than you had anticipated. Right. So um, we get home and Pasha's not eating, which wasn't unusual. Um, he never did eat that well in the orphanage and he just he seems off and he also he has spina bifida uh paralyzed from the belly button down also has hydrocephalus so he has a shunt in his head 
that they had just done a revision before we got to the country. Uh, and turns out that shunt failed sometime right before we left Ukraine for the U.S. or during the trip. So he was actually dying on the way home. Sure, this story just keeps taking more and more crazy <laughs> turns. Um, just in layman's terms, what does a shunt do? Like, what is what is it in place for? So his was to drain excess fluid off of his brain. Okay. Um, so without that working, you'd have severe, severe headaches. Okay. So, so pressure. He's getting pressure. Yeah. His, okay. All right. And uh, he never was grabbing at his head, but we thought, you know, let's go take him to the hospital here. The night he... Well, no, the next morning after he got to the U.S. And they ran some tests, said the shunt is not working. So he hadn't been in the U.S. 24 hours and was already having to go into surgery. I mean, and how old is he at this point? Four. Four. And the thing about that is they did the shunt. Uh, replacement in Ukraine right before he turned four, which was a few months before we got there. And the reason they did that is when you turn four, you age out of the baby house. And he would have been sent to the mental institution and not had any more surgeries. When he died, he would have died. Hmm. So this this kid's trying to wrap his head around uh, everything going on, and, and on top of that, he's now in the hospital for. Uh, I mean, is is to say it's brain surgery an accurate description? Somewhat, somewhat, right? I mean, re- yeah. regardless, it's uh, it's a lot for anyone, uh, especially for a kid. And I don't care, you know, if you've been in whatever country since the day you were born. Um, was there a point, and, and I know you, in not a million years, would you say now uh, that, that, well, let me back up. Was there a point where you're like, oh my God, what did I get myself into? What have we, what type of, of, of thing have we brought into this, this life that I'm going to imagine was, um, well, it didn't have near as many complications. I think for any family that, does these difficult adoptions like we have, you wake up every day with that question. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, And that's not to be misconstrued as I wish they weren't in my life. Right. That's not the case. It's just going through everything. It's taxing. I think that's the biggest understatement, Jared, that, that, uh, but and and I'm going to make some assumptions just from the few conversations we had and and, and from your your social media. If your wife is like you, you you seem to be able to go with the flow fairly well, right? Yeah. We balance each other out. Okay, <laughs> so I am very much a go with the flow. Yeah, um, you seem like. Going to take anything that comes my way and just going to keep on going. Uh, my wife is the opposite. Okay. She wears her heart on her sleeve. She gets emotional about these things. Uh, it must be a tough personality trait to have in given the, the, the circumstances. Right. And, the way she copes with it the most is she is probably more qualified than more, most nurses out there at this oh, point wow. because she studies up on everything they have, um, complications, treatments, everything. She's nonstop studying. I mean, doctor asked me what's wrong with, say, Pasha. I'm like, a, he's in a wheelchair. <laughs> right, right. They asked my wife, 
she rambles off 20 things. And I'm just sitting there like, I can't even pronounce half those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get it. So, and going back to Pasha, and, and I don't want to, you know, this whole thing to be just him and his story, but I'm, and I hope Pasha listens to this uh, because his name has come up a lot in my, in my, in my household. Because like I mentioned, when I started getting my head, head of myself in the beginning of the show, it, it's, it's Pasha had a condition where his legs were not working. Um, right. And I'll, I'll make it easy. Like <laughs> sounds like you, you would like his legs weren't working, right? They didn't work. Right. So a decision was made for them to be amputated. And the smile that was still on his face. Well, I mean, first of all, I can't imagine that decision process, not just for, for you guys and then explain it to him and to move forward with that uh, had to be a tremendously difficult uh, process uh, but but given the fact, you know, on here we talk about acceptance and, and to see Pasha go through this and smile and and say, hey, like, they weren't going to work. I'm actually, you know, better off. They're not breaking. We can get in his, his spina bifida and all the, the, the amount of, of breaks that he was having in his in his bones. And um, but it really put things, some things in perspective uh, for both, both me and, and, and my wife had mentioned it. It's like you have bad, everyone has bad days, but there's levels of bad days. There's levels of, of difficulties in life. And there's times when you can make a conscious choice on how you're going to deal with those. Even though you may not be feeling like it, you can make a conscious choice of I'm going to embrace this or I'm going to accept this. And, uh, yeah, it was just it was it was very moving, man. It was really it was really something to see him go through that process, um, and still, and still have a smile on his face. So, yeah, he's so it's interesting with the six kids. I'd say it's half and half that half of them have developed my personality, and half of them have developed my wife's personality. And so say Pasha, Callan, and my youngest daughter, Savannah, they're more like me on, they just accept what comes and it is what it is. And yeah. we're going to move on. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. That's uh, I mean, it's a great place. I, 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 I'm, I, I get what you're saying just because my, my wife and I are, are, are somewhat the, same kind of dynamic where I'm almost to a flaw at times to go with the flow. And, uh, right. you know, she's definitely my yin to yang, like where I need that in my life. She's way more structured and, uh, that's really important for, for me to be around. So I get what you're saying. Um, you know, and it's not just that, I mean, you guys have had all kinds of issues with the house. You even, picked everything up and, and I want to get into the, some of the sacrifices, uh, that you've made. You've, you actually sold your house in Texas to move to Colorado, correct? Right. And what was your reasoning behind that? So in Texas, um, for Medicaid, they look at the parents' income. Mm. Um, I made too much money, so our kids didn't qualify. And it wasn't a big deal for Callan, other than the behavior issues. He's our healthiest kid. He's never sick. But Pasha was having surgeries every six months. Um, the other girl we adopted from Ukraine after them, she has spina bifida, but she can walk. But she had a lot of medical needs as well. So we were coming out of pocket after insurance about eighty thousand a year. Eighty thousand dollars a year. Yep. Wow. And my wife looked into Colorado and there were a couple other states which I I always hated Houston. I like the mountains. Uh <laughs> so when COVID hit and everything went online. Uh, my companies decided, you know what? You really don't need an office to do your job. And I spoke to the director and he gave me permission to 
move wherever I wanted. Uh, so we pretty much within two months packed up and we're in Colorado. Um, here they don't look at the parent's income. They look at the child's needs. Mm, that's interesting. So all three of them qualified for Medicaid and not just that, but so the state isn't using resources to provide, um, in-home care, they'll pay parents to do what they're already doing. Right. And we were assuming, you know, it's going to be 15, 20,000 a year. My wife just does that. Well, once we got here, we got in the program and all that. We were shocked. They were going to pay more than what I was making at my current job. Holy crap. Just because of all of Pasha and Katya's needs. Callan didn't get any hours. It was all just Pasha and Katya. Um, so I continued working. I'm thinking, you know, this is great. Uh, we'll pay off the house we're buying in five years be free and clear and it just got harder and harder to do my job remotely when I had been hands-on for so many years and me and my wife talked about it and we decided you know what we'll be fine go ahead and retire I was 40 years old at that time uh -huh. <laughs> so that's what we did. Um, and part of the reasoning behind that was I traveled a lot through my business, uh, all over the country, sometimes overseas. So my wife was left to deal with all the chaos in the house. There's a trend here. And it, Aaron. it gave, <laughs> it gave, us the opportunity for me to take some of that burden off of her yeah, and be here more to help out with doctor's appointments, running kids here and there, doing that type of stuff. Mm. So it was a blessing. I'm, most people hated COVID. It was a blessing for us. <laughs> Yeah, for some people it was, right? And I always I always felt kind of guilty in saying that for, you know, I don't think COH would be here if, if COVID hadn't happened. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, have you had conversations? Uh, so it, it's, it's Pasha, it's, it's Colin, uh, Colin, correct? Callan. Callan, Cal, Cal. Yeah. Um, have you had conversations with them about like the state of affairs in, in uh, the Ukraine? Like what, what have, what have been going on geopolitically? So Callan is very intellectually delayed. Okay. Because of the FAS. Sure. Uh, so he doesn't really understand it. Uh, Pasha does to an extent, but it's more like he doesn't really care all that much about it. Good for him. Um, Katya was older when we adopted her. Um, so she had more questions about what was going on. And we, when we adopted Katya that same year, we hosted a foreign exchange student from Ukraine as well. So we were very close with Lacia who's over there. And so it was more in our household being concerned for Lacia okay. and her family because we met the whole family. Me and my wife went over there while she was staying with us in the U S and we hung out with her parents. We love Ukraine. It's great vacation go over there. So it wasn't so much what's going to happen, 
to the country. It was more what's going to happen to Lacey and her family. Sure. Sure. That makes sense. Oh man. Um, so before, again, before we hit record, I, I wanted to make sure it was okay that I was even bringing some of these things up because, because like I mentioned in the beginning that, that your initial application or your, our initial communication was not about any of this, right? This was something that was completely separate. It was more about the obstacle course racing, but, and you and your family are not looking for any type of recognition. And that's, that was certainly matter of fact, I'm the one who reached out to you. Uh, because I've been so moved and impressed by, by what you guys are doing because there's, there's something about having such a profound impact in a complete stranger's life. I mean, completely life altering, uh, to, to some kids that, um, the cards were stacked against him, right? I mean, like you said, it wasn't the orphanage. It wasn't the the nannies or the nurses, it's, it's just the system that they were a part of. Uh, it, it was going to be a, a really tough go at it from, from that point on. Is that something that you guys think about or is it, you're just so in it on a daily basis that this is your, this is just my family. This is just what it is. A little of both. Um, so in some ways, Pasha's, Adoption mirrors more Caden and Savannah's. Okay. Um, Pasha's parents, they really did love him. But they knew, and it said so in his paperwork, the only way for him to have a shot was to get adopted by an American. Because there's really not disability access in Crimea. So his whole life was going to be very difficult. And that's kind of the same way with Caden's mom and Savannah's birth mom was they loved him. Uh, but they knew the cards were stacked against him. What a selfless thing to do. And, and I can't even imagine putting myself in that type of position, but, but I mean, would you agree with me that, I mean, what an act of love to, to, but at the same time, you're also rolling the dice, right? You're rolling the dice. You don't know if they're going to get adopted. And like you said, if, if, uh, if you, they're not adopted and they end up going to a, a, you know, a mental health facility, that's, I can't imagine things are going to turn out great. Right. Yeah, with Callan and Katya, we think about it more um, just because their moms were actually prostitutes. Mm. Um, in fact, Callan's mom gave birth and left the hospital that night without ever even holding them. Jeez. Um, so for them, it's a little bit different of a scenario. Uh, Katya has a little FAS as well, not to the severity Callan does, um, to where she has extreme mood swings and tearing things up, biting, kicking, that type of thing. Um, But it's kind of thinking where those two would be. Because Katya would be aged out now. Um, at 17 there, you age out of the system. She's 19 now. And we are her legal guardians because she can't live on her own ever. Yeah, so, so you, you aren't just adopting these, these kids until they're 18 or 20 or 21. This is a lifelong adoption. Right. With Katya and Pasha, they will always be with us. Mm. Um, Callan's a little harder. Um, just because he could have some type of job later on. He could do some type of warehouse position that's just repetitive. Same thing yep. over and over. And 
he's not always going to want to live with us. Um, It's going to be challenging for you guys as well. So it's kind of, it's different with him because we're more concerned. What does it look like at 18 for him? We know what it looks like for Pasha and Katya. They're still with us. Uh, We know Caden and Savannah. They're typical kids. They're going to take a typical life approach. But with Callan, it's it's up in there. We're just kind of winging it at this point. Yeah, and that's going to be challenging for your wife too, right? Because it's not just – you can't just learn about it, right? Right. That that isn't enough. It's just things are going to play out how they play out. Right. Uh, well, Jared, I I want to I want to wrap this up a little bit, but I want to say to you and and that again, it's not the reason that you you be, you were on board of of the ambassador program, but what you're doing to me is is even more it even more falls in line with the with the mission, and and we talk about service work on here a lot, and I know what you are doing doesn't it, it's not service work, it's that's this is your family, this is but. Uh, at the end of the day, you are, uh, you, you have taken on some, you've taken on something that, that without you and and what, and your wife and what you've done, um, those, those kids future would look much different. And, uh, I commend you. I commend your wife. Uh, and, uh, I'm really, I'm, I'm proud to have you on the ambassador program and I'm proud to call you a friend. I I mean that I'm, I've been very, very impressed by all of it. Thank you. Uh, when's the next Spartan race? Uh, well, I missed this last <laughs> one up here, uh, due to the, the house issues. Sure. Sure. Uh, but there is a local one, big dog brag, uh, this year they're supporting, I believe big brothers, big sisters here locally. So, Myself and the two youngest are going to be doing that July 8th. I was wanting to strap Pasha to my back and do the shortened version of that, but I don't think we'll have doctor approval yet. So, yeah, yeah. you might need a doctor for yourself if you do that. (laughs) Right. Uh, So, we're going to get out. I I already sent Pasha a a COH shirt. You guys, I think. The Williams family is, is is fairly decked out, but we're going to get the rest of the kids some some swag as well. Um, again, I, I don't even know why I'm thanking you, but I I, I thank you for, for one just acting as as uh, as an ambassador for what we're doing. And, and again, I don't uh, Spartan race or not, uh, th- that doesn't even matter to me. I'm I'm just I'm I'm glad to be that that you're part of this. Well, I'd like to also add. All my kids understand what COH is doing. And yes. that's why they've wanted the shirts for their wrestling meets, for Katya wears hers. I bought one through the few of the yeah, first yeah, yeah. series ambassador shirts. And she wears hers every week to physical therapy. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, so they're all, and they're, they're telling other kids about it that ask them, Hey, what is that? And they're spreading the word to kids as well. <laughs> oh, that's great. That is, that is that you just mean my day, Jared. All right. Well, listen, is there any way other people can e- either support what you guys are doing or, or is there uh, charities that you suggest that they should look towards if they want to support or look into something, uh, doing something similar? Not really. Um, It's just kind of doing your research. A lot of churches, bigger churches will have um, support systems in place, uh, missions for things like this. Um, The agency we went through for the Ukrainian adoptions, I wouldn't recommend them. Okay. but it's more just kind of doing your homework. And if you have questions, just reach out. Uh, You will get an unfiltered, honest 
the real deal response. <laughs> uh, good. So we'll, we'll make sure we have your social media uh, tied to the show notes. So if anyone wants to reach out to Jared, uh, f- feel free to do that. Jared, thanks again for, for doing this. I know you've got a whole lot of stuff going on in your household right now. Black mold, uh, flooding, uh, craziness uh, on top of what is the already sounds like the hectic world of the Williams house. So thank you so much for doing this, man. I look forward to, uh, again, having you on the team and, and who knows, let's see where this goes and let's get some more COH stuff to those kids. Sounds good. All right. That's it for me. Thanks to Jared, uh, for, for sharing his story. Thanks to all of you for listening again. If you want to, if you want to learn more about our August 12th workshop, head over to consequenceofhabit.org. Check out events, see what we got going on. Big thanks to the crew at Athletic Brewing Company. They've been one of our OG supporters. They've been around with us since since pretty much day one. If you guys want to try Athletic Brewing Company, you want to try amazing beer, non-alcoholic beer, go to athleticbrewing.com, use the promo code COH20. You're going to get 20% off your first order. All right, that's it. I'll catch you guys next week.